Hello and welcome back to the fourth series of Sleep Like a Baby podcast. So we are hurtling through this uh, series. I can't believe there's only a few more episodes to go. And this week, you lucky lot are treated to another with the wonderful Lucy Bagwell, aka Second Star to the Right Sleep. Uh, If you're not aware, Lucy and I are very good friends. And last week we had a brilliant chat about second babies. And in fact, that chat was so lovely. And her son, um, her second baby, Ori, ended up doing such a lovely long nap that it went on for hours and we got absolutely loads of <laughs> loads of content. And I uh, thought it would make a great part two. And in this week's episode, we talked a bit more practically, I suppose, about the ins and outs of how Lucy makes two bedtimes work for her kids and how we handle naps in the day when we've got a much louder older child around who maybe doesn't quite understand the concept of being quiet so the baby can nap or just how do you practically fit things in so it was really lovely hearing that from Lucy and how she figures it out and makes it work for her family and I have had lots of food for thought and how I'm going to navigate all this but anyway I hope you find it as useful and reassuring and practical as I did. The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club, the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, the Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality secondhand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com to sign up today. I think something a very common worry and I'm full like full transparency I definitely have this even though I've spoken to so many people about this and I know it's not gonna happen but I think you can't help but feel how could I ever possibly love a second child as much as I love my first like how can I have that obsession again and I know because you've told me, friends have told me, I know it's a thing that you just do, right? That people say your heart just expands and all this stuff. But I think before you, well, for me anyway, before I'm meeting that child, I can't imagine it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine it. I'm so obsessed with Ruben. And he's a tricky kid, bless his soul. Like, I love him so much. And he is, you know, he's a wild one. But I mean, I really just... God, I love him. And I was like, I can't possibly. I was like, I'll probably love the second one, but like, couldn't, I couldn't love him as much. But you do, but it is in a different way because it's, uh, you love them as much, but you've got more of a relationship with your first child. And I think you've got to think about it like that. There's obviously, there's just a base level sort of like love, and I would do anything for you. And I think you're amazing, and da 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 da. But I have got history, more history, with my elder child. Of course I do. But I'm building new history with my youngest, and they're really similar. 
That's why I told you they both just sit there and just just scream at me, but like smiling. Like who's why why do both of my children do that? I thought I might get a calm one for a second one, but no, no, no cigar. My fr- a friend of mine had her second and she said um she was driving home um from the hospital with with her second and she had the most well-timed text message in the world from a friend of hers who just said completely unprompted just don't freak out if you are staring at this baby like they are a total alien and you're thinking who is this I don't have any connection with you and all you're doing is thinking about your up the the other child you're going home to and because she said in that moment that that actually was it for her she was thinking about that deep relationship that deep bond she had built up with her other child over several years and this other child she just like she said oh my god thank god that that person just sent it at that moment and she just knew what I needed to hear and then she said like you know for her it was more uh maybe more of a gradual build of the bond and I certainly I think with my son I had a more of a gradual I fell in love with him and I met him but a bond definitely didn't get to where it where I thought it would be immediately. Like it wasn't one of yeah. those like you know. And I and everyone's different. Some people do fall madly in love with their babies from the second they conceive, and they are just so connected. And others, it's a real process that takes longer. So I, there's no right or wrong. But I think no, yeah, absolutely. That's made me feel better that if I don't have that immediate rush of love with the second child that that's normal as well and that, but also I've I've got had other friends who will say suddenly they have this very strong like sort of lioness instinct to the new baby and a sort of um aversion almost to their older child who suddenly seems so big so boisterous so yeah. um you know almost like a threat to your to your very vulnerable needy little new person who you just want to protect and suddenly you can feel yeah almost like resentful or have have negative feelings towards the older one so I think that's another thing um that I'm aware of as well like I might sometimes you can reject that you're first out of sort of a kind of a protective instinct for your for, for the new baby so it's really complicated isn't it you don't know what you're going to get you don't know how you're going to feel I think, I think you're going to feel what you're going to feel but I think I, the chances are obviously I cannot you know speak for the world but chances are whatever you feel it's going to level out in some way but, um, you know, I, I definitely feel more strongly about Ori today than I did on the first day. Yeah. That has definitely built up for me. Like, I do definitely thrive on, like, actually having a relationship with someone. Yeah. Like, I definitely, like, there is there is an immediate sort of, like, I am your mother, I love you, I will protect you with every ounce of my being. Um, But, you know, when you start, everyone knows, like, there's that transition from, like, the sleeping newborn, they start to wake up and you start to actually get a little bit of interaction with them. And that's like, oh, my God, like, he's looking at me. <laughs> and I, and I the, love that. The six-week smiles where you're like, oh, thank God, I really needed that today. Thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I really lean into the windy smiles. I don't care that they're not real smiles. I will I will live through, the, I will pretend they're real smiles till the cows come home. I'm like, he's definitely smiling. Who got to decide that they weren't real smiles? I really hate, like, who, who? make that the, the law I think they're in I think they're idiots of course that's what but anyway but yeah um but yeah I suppose I just wanted to share some of those stories that I'd heard from other parents because um everyone's experiences your how you how you give birth is going to influence how you bond with your baby absolutely 
I mean, everything, like how you, maybe your, your journey to conception is going to influence it. Like it's so complicated. Your birth order, how, you know, are you, are you were you the eldest child? Were you, are you the youngest child? Were you the middle child? That's probably going to affect how you feel about this new, this new little person as well. Oh yeah. I'll be honest. I hadn't even thought about I that. I know. Yeah. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for the baby because I feel like he just gets dragged around. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like in terms of like picking an activity when I've got two children, well, of course I'm going to do what the older child needs to do. Yeah. Um, and so Ori just gets dragged around. But I'm kind of hoping it will make him nice and adaptable. <laughs> yeah, I've got friends who do feel really guilty about that, though. Or they suddenly feel guilty about um, hand-me-downs, for example. Like they want their, they feel bad that you know their child's own the, the the second baby isn't getting their own stuff or their own time or they don't have a mum who's endlessly present like the first one is or whatever thing you might feel guilty about but what I literally was having this conversation this morning with my friend um that because we were we were literally discussing the fact that our second baby babies will never have that uh undivided attention from us like our first bit. They do on a day-to-day because both of our children are preschool, so there is time, but overall. But I said, but our seconds are getting the bonus of their elder sibling. Yeah. And now obviously every every relationship, age gap, how it works, how you know how they respond is totally different. But for me, it's definitely ease any guilt I may be feeling because Ori is obsessed. Mm-hmm. with Reuben so I feel like look what I've given you and Lucky. he has a <laughs> yeah that's so lovely and also he has a mum who's less anxious who's less I mean not always as we've said like there have been some very low points of course and don't beat yourself up if you're not that super like oh look at me I'm a second time mum I'm so zen I've got this all like obviously no, no one's like that all the time but I suppose there is you have parents who are a little bit more experienced and might have a bit more perspective so there's there are gifts I suppose you give your second or third that you you can't give your first 100% I mean in terms of sort of the anxiety like even though I had that low moment that was a combination of everything and I, I truly believe that was that was not just to do with sleep and stuff like that but Outside of that, I have, I personally, and again, I know this is a very personal experience. I have found the baby stage easier second time than first time. Now, obviously, we've got the double layer of there being two children, but the literal sort of like, what's that noise? Uh, like, what are they doing? Should they be doing this? Is that safe? Is this safe? Like, that constant worry is um, just, it was so much easier this time you know given Reuben was poorly very early doors um Mm. and so we did so we had that sort of back and forth with the bronchiolitis and hospital so I that obviously it it was first child and he was poorly and then second child wasn't poorly and he was second child but it it, it does make a really big difference yeah um not being so worried the whole time and so okay on a super practical note how have you done solo bedtimes with two teach me <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I don't know that I can like teach you because again very personal but even in the so for anyone that doesn't know my husband runs a pub so he sort of works a lot of evenings and nights and so I've done a lot of solo bedtimes in the last eight months um, and it has changed a lot 
over just the eight months because obviously so at the very beginning so if anyone's having to do it like from early doors like I was um you just bring the baby along for the ride don't even think about your baby having a routine while you can have a really simple lovely bedtime routine for a baby from really early on even if it's literally just like you get you have one song that you sing while you put their sleeping bag on like it could be as simple as that and then you feed them with in dim light whatever but in terms of the actual bedtime routine when you're getting your elder who is probably most likely got more of a structured routine at a more more of a specific time you bring the baby along for the ride when i say forget about the baby i don't mean forget about the baby but they're just not the priority in terms of the routine have them in a carrier or a sling if that suits if they're happy to be put down, then you can move things like some kind of comfortable, uh, you know, whether it be a nest or anything like that, that you can move around or a comfortable mat. Um, but just try and keep that predictability and calm for that big for the bigger child in this moment, especially if it is early doors and they're feeling a certain type of way about the baby being there. This type of moment of connection and you know that you can give them can be so important before sleep. Uh, Unfortunately, it can be around this time where babies can get a bit <laughs> witching houry. Yeah. Um, if you are breastfeeding, just utilize your boob. Just, just, you know, just put your boob in their mouths all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that was basically my thing when, like, early doors with with uh, with Ori bedtimes. Like, Ruben was in the bath, or it was on my boob. I was doing stories, or it was on my boob. Like, it was just continuously on my boob. And um, if that's if that's not the case, maybe the carrier just to keep them close and having that movement, having that swaying, you know, take the baby on for the ride. Then later down the line, as you start to sort of like maybe start weaving them in, basically find ways of weaving them into your older child's routine rather than tr trying to think up a whole new thing. Because then you're trying to navigate two children with a new routine, if that makes sense. Now, obviously, timings may not collide. And for, you know, for a long time, even when Ori started to be part of the routine and part of the bath time, for example, and then I would do his pyjamas, uh, you know, while Ruben was having a longer bath and working it that way. And then Ori would come up to Ruben's bedtime for stories. And so I'd get Ruben down and Ori was still going down later. Mm -hmm. Um. But he was, again, sort of coming along for the ride and navigating it that way. And then it's actually only very, very recently since we've dropped down to two naps that I'm now putting Ori down first, which I have to say has been a, such a beautiful shift because I can now do Ruben's stories, just me and him. Yeah. Because um, we had got to the point where Ori was m very mobile and kind of ruining the atmosphere, not going to lie. Um now, obviously, that's sort of my a personal sort of like very overview timeline. But I would say some top tips for a solo bedtime with two or more children. One, preparation. Have everything where you need it to be in advance. So depending on what your routine looks like, it might be pajamas and nappies in the bathroom where the bath is and the bath toys are ready. Or maybe you come up to a bedroom and that's where the pajamas are laid out if you're going to have books have your set amount of books laid out organized but you know creams where you might need the bottles of milk or if you need just take that time earlier on in the day and I'm talking if you're like oh no but the lead up to that is, is pick up and then dinner and I can't you know I haven't got any time do it first thing in the morning 
Okay, you do not need to do it right beforehand. I've literally already got, I can't point to you, over there I've got Ruben's pyjamas and nappy laid out. In the bathroom I've got Ori's uh, pyjamas and, and, and nappy laid out. I've got the sleeping bag laid out perfectly in Ori's bedroom. Ruben's got four books laid out on the bed. I Like, bedtime is ready now. That's, for me, it's so key. Now, because what that gives you, room for deviation like something might go wrong it doesn't matter you've still got everything you need you're not you're you're not having to question those types of things so that's really key in my opinion secondly is to have your plan have your routine but have have it in you to lower your expectations of it looking the same every night if if you get yourself into a state of mind, it's like, it's got to look like this. And then when it deviates, it will automatically trigger you. Whereas if you're sort of like, there are three human beings trying to deal with something right now, there are variables here. Do you know what I mean? Um, so to try and lower your expectations. The next one, this is something I talk about just generally around sleep a lot. And I, it, it is very, very helpful, but can also be quite annoying because it's quite hard, which is whatever you can do, try and stay calm. Because I feel like as the parent, and I have done, and so I'm not shaming you if you lose your shit during bedtime, because I have done. But at the end of the day, let's just be honest, if you, if you lose yourself for that moment in time, it can really be game over. Do you know what I mean? So whatever that looks like to you, you know, maybe you get these special earplugs, which everyone keeps telling me to get because I've got so sensitive to the noise. And I really should. I just am terrible at actually sorting out. Something <laughs> um, but if that, you know, to help you with the sensory with the noise, like if you're really sensitive to that, maybe get earplugs. Um, uh, make sure you've had some food and some water with you get a water bottle that you can carry around with you maybe or put a glass of water in every single room so it doesn't matter what room you get trapped in there is water in there for you you know practice regular breathing try and calm your breathing down wear something comfortable splash water in your face roll down your spine step away for 30 seconds whatever it means to you if you can find your way of really being calm you're just far more likely to have calm children on your hands and if they start to lose their mind you staying calm through that I managed to find in the early days and it was something I, it was one of the things I really passed myself in the back I was really proud of was um that I would I, I might lose my mind at all, all different times but solo bedtimes it was like I went into a meditative state and I would get through these bedtimes and I'd be up there sometimes in Ruben's single bed with him, with Ari on the boob, on and off the boob, on and off the boob. And he's kicking Ruben and Ruben's going, don't kick me. And I'm, trying, and, I'm, and I'm holding him and I'm holding the book with the other hand, turning the page with this hand. I was so uncomfortable, but I was like, in my head, my internal monologue was going, if you just continue to breathe really calmly, then quite soon this will be done. Whereas if you give in to how you're actually feeling, which is... <laughs> throw the baby, throw the book, <laughs> go, go mad. It then this could go on for a really long time, and it really and it did get me through. And 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 so, it's really difficult to give a very broad tip of how to do a solo bedtime because with different age ranges, layouts of properties, sensory preferences, how you're feeding your baby. 
But if you can look into what works for you to really be calm and give yourself more time than you need. Now, you don't want to suddenly start trying to put your children down too early and then they're not tired because obviously that's a disaster. But you will learn it takes longer with two. Just give yourself more time because what you don't want to do is start the same time. Then actually your children start to go past it as well. Just give yourself a little bit more time. Take your time with it. Have a bit of leeway. Say a bit of yes to things that you might not have said yes to. So, for example, when I was really starting to get to grips with both of them, I, uh, for a long time, would let Ruben have, Ruben started having a yogurt in the bath, okay? Just, it became this novelty thing where if I, to get Ruben in the bath, I'd be like, I set up your yogurt. <laughs> the yogurt in the bath. Was, uh, that's my and, dream. Like, yeah, they would be like a little table and... For a, a little period of time, we went through a period where this time Ori was starting to get quite fussy around it. And there was like crying and screaming. And I used to play an audiobook while Ruben was in the bath. So Ruben was getting slightly less of my my attention because Ori was in that moment more in need because he was literally screaming at me. Um, so we started the sort of like the treat and the audiobook in the bath, <gasps> which for Ruben was like, the absolute bee's knees and for me it gave me that gave me the grace to focus on the baby so finding these ways to don't feel bad if you know i know tv before bed like it, obviously this is so depends on how your child responds to tv and screens around sleep it is very very variable but if they are all right with it and they do end up watching an episode of bluey before bed and it meant that everyone was calm and happy do not sit around worrying about that later in the day. My God. I agree. Um, but yeah, you'll find your groove. If it's something you have to do frequently, you will find your way. It will change over time. And and if there are nights when everyone cries at least once, you, you will all be fine the next day. So can I just ask on a practical note, does Ruben fall asleep with you in the room or with you out of the room? So for the up until maybe a month ago with me in the room with the baby, it was much easier with, with the baby when he wasn't mobile and I would just sit with him either on my lap or on my boob. And then I actually moved to a bit where he was on and off the boob. And so I uh, started to give him a dummy. Um, and actually I would have, uh, Ruben was in the bed. I was in the bed and then I put Ori on the floor. On a, it was on a very comfortable rug because it was on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> mm. with a du- and with a dummy in his mouth. And I was holding Ori's hand and he was lying there sort of like with the dummy and I was holding his hand. And me and Ruben would cuddle and do the stories. And then I'd stay until Ruben was asleep. Mm-hmm. Then Ori started to move about and become really vocal, pull the dummy out, throw it, squeal, happy as Larry, but noisy. And so I would get through the stories and then I would say to Ruben, I've got to take this noisy baby out of the room. I'm going to I'm going to go and put him to bed and then I'm going to come straight back. And then I would come straight back and inevitably Ruben was asleep. And then now I've done bedtimes with him on my own and then I'll, he'll finish the book and I'll be like, would you like to cuddle? And he'll be like, no, you can go now. Aww. And I... And I, I I almost, this is me and my my smothering. I want to be like, I don't want to go. <laughs> Please let me stay. But I think, so it's good to know then that for a good six months, you know, you stayed and supported Ruben till yes. he was asleep. Because I think that's something that a lot of people feel like they have to get their child 
falling asleep independently and that might be an 18 month old two and a half year old five year old whatever you know who whatever age and there can be a yeah and I can understand why that worry where that worry comes from because you're thinking how can I do that but it's nice and obviously I think that what our boys have in common is that they do fall asleep quite quickly and easily at bedtime yeah so Um, there is that level of things yeah yeah I hear you and because I got a lot of messages about literally this and I did I I've got a post on it guys I did a post on it about how you don't need to make sure that your elder is falling asleep on their own and a whole load of sort of like tips of how to support because I am aware that it's been okay because Ruben has got a very good bedtime generally and there can be deviations and obviously sometimes he's really overtired and he like he, he goes wild of course or he gets really upset or just is pushing boundaries whatever it might be but we have got a really solid routine and he is comfortable going to sleep he knows when he's tired he talks about his eyelids being heavy like he's very in he is in tune with that mm. so i am lucky but in this post i do discuss you like what if you are rocking yeah and so because I, what I would say is the one thing I think in an ideal world that you that a parent logistically would work through is to maybe stop rocking if they're able to when they're having a second baby because just physically logistically that is very difficult it's not impossible but I can appreciate wanting to move away from rocking but in terms of physical presence and physical support um, giving it to two different children at the same time is possible mm-hmm. um yeah I think that's good good just it's just nice to hear that that narrative I think because I think a lot of um a lot of us have this expectation that you have to say good night and, and and leave the room and I suppose actually a big part of bedtimes for lots of toddlers and preschoolers is that separation anxiety and that difficulty to release and let go of emotion and you know, if you've got a more sensitive child or a, a child who's got a lot of big feelings coming up, you know, that can be a lot to deal with, can't it, at the end of at the end of the day. And and so how do we give them us when we have when we can't split ourselves in two? So yeah, it's nice to hear how you've how you've handled that for your circumstances. Mm. And it can be hard. And I I've definitely I've definitely had times where I felt bad. I felt bad for Ruben. Mm. And he's been fine actually. And so it's not that I felt bad because he's telling me that he's having a difficult time with it, but I have rushed books. I have rushed out of the room because Ori's really just getting so loud. And <laughs> and it's and I just don't want him to like wind Ruben up more than anything. So it's not so much that I'm so desperate to go and help Ori calm down in another room, because he's a lot of the time it's not a sad loud. He is he's happy as Larry. But it's more like Reuben is tired and Reuben wants this wind down and Reuben wants to go to sleep. And imagine if you really want to go to sleep. I mean, we all can imagine it. <laughs> we always want to go to sleep and our children are just in our face. <laughs> um, but it's like that. And I, so I, I have I have felt bad about it. Um, but he has been fine. And like I say, I have now managed to sort of shift. And I know not everyone is in that situation or finds it easy I have been able to shift the times where I can get Ori down first and Ruben stays on his. And again, the benefit of the older, the bigger age gap. So I know that this is much more difficult if you've got a younger child in terms of leaving the mm. older child to go and put the baby down. Like I can very comfortably just leave Ruben for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
and get him down. So, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, 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 bedtime is just complicated. It's going to look different for everyone, isn't it? There's yeah. no like one perfect bedtime. And um, yeah, but it's, um, and obviously some people will be able to divide and conquer. If you've got a partner or another caregiver around in the evenings, you might be able to, take it you know yeah tag team and things like that 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 could be an option for other people um oh yeah for sure I mean I think but I think that's why I, I wanted to focus a lot in some of my Instagram content on solo bedtime because I see it constantly it's like I'm having a second baby how do we navigate bedtime it's like mm. divide and conquer and it's like cool what if you're on your own yeah I work <laughs> yeah <laughs> I will be in a similar boat to you in the sense that I will be doing solo bedtimes myself pretty early on as well so it's like yeah I don't it would be really nice to divide and conquer, but <laughs> unless honest, I divide yeah. myself into, <laughs> that's not happening. No one's conquering anything. <laughs> I'll be honest. Don't get me wrong, because it's got nothing to do with my husband at all. Like, because he's he is fantastic, and when we're both here, like there is an ease to it. But I actually find there is a there is a deep calm when it's just me. Like they're less reared up by when other people are there. Yeah. I think like. Obviously, the best is probably when it's myself and my husband, Michael. Um, but then the second best bedtime is just me, rather than introducing other people that sort of bring that sort of slight level of excitement. I, I find my children are actually calmest when I'm just there. I think it's because they just know. <laughs> this is what's happening. Um, and um, and it does, and it, and it works okay, and it will change again. Like, it's, like I say, in the last week, it's changed. So Ori going down first and having this. And so this is currently actually probably the easiest setup we've had so far. But it will change again. Um, and it's just about navigating it as you go. Have you had any um like like parental preference though? Have you ever had any, you know, for example, Ruben only wanting you or rejecting you or Ori only settling for you? Yeah, so I mean, over the years with Ruben, there's definitely like peaks and troughs. Um, we, with both children, had Michael involved from day one. That was so important for me that um, it wasn't all, all on me because, like I mentioned earlier, I have many, many traits that make me a lovely mother. But tiredness is a struggle of mine. And so I always knew I wanted support around that. Um, I am in awe of people that do literally all of it um, on their own. I think it's unbelievable. Um, that's not to say that I am not... Ori settles quicker with the boob than anything else, obviously. Um, the dummy is... like we, we do use a dummy with Ori solely for sleep, never when awake. That's my personal preference. Um, but obviously because of that, uh, Michael, I mean, even before we had the dummy, Michael was able to settle with rocking. Um, mm. He was, a, it was a, for a long time when he was very little, it was always tiger in the tree. Mm. Um, so I would say Ori settles slightly easier with me, but we can both settle almost all of the time. And we've both done bedtimes. Uh, Michael's done solo bedtimes um, with them as well when I've had choir. Ruben, parental preference again, up and down. Um, but obviously, once they're in the, for me, in the talking sort of stage, if we're both there and I'm meant to be doing bedtime with Ruben, he says, I really want daddy, I will probably just be like, fine, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
But then there are times where um, I've been doing bedtime and he's like, oh, what, daddy, oh, daddy, and daddy's obviously at work. And I'll just say to him, you know, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, Miss Daddy, he's at work. We're going to see him tomorrow. Mummy's here to, you know, and we're going to do stories. We're going to have a lovely time. And if he's sad, and if he is sad, then I'll be there to cuddle him. And this is the, you know, this is the thing. This is the difference between uh, supported crying and unsupported crying. But look, I'm not going to be able to stop my child from being upset. And so obviously the same with the baby, you know, like early doors when Michael very first maybe did solo bedtime. I think Ori was, there was a period of uh, where he was upset. But him being upset and being held and looked after and loved by his father is very different to to, to not. Mm-hmm. And so because I know that we can get, when we're focusing on being responsive, um, some people can get very frightened of tears oh as a whole and it's about understanding that sometimes our children will cry sometimes we and sometimes we're not giving them their first choice like they might be crying because um uh, they're not getting their first choice parent but uh they are still being supported and that that is okay yeah definitely although I'm sure we've we've both had clients for example where like the the other parent for example has been super involved from day one and then suddenly they are just rejected or it's nothing that the the family is sort of not set up or um it's just that 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 child just perhaps their temperament just means they are particularly dysregulated and maybe actually the level of crying for some children does become like really intense and actually they are you know so I I yeah throwing up and really screaming and you can't Oh, which I know cool. you know of. I just wanted to mention that because I think, you know, I've certainly know lots of people who the dad could not be more involved or, you know, not necessarily the dad, but the other parent, you know, could not be more involved. And yet there can still just be these periods where the baby or the toddler just does not, that does not matter. They are just in that stage of like wanting you. And I think that must be very difficult bedtimes. But as you're saying, um, well, sometimes you just lean in and sometimes you just have to figure that out. And like you're saying, sometimes yeah. you say, yes, okay, have the person you want. And we're just going to have, this is a, this is not looking like plan A or even yeah. plan B or C, but we're just figuring this stage out and it's just a patch and we'll survive. Or it's about accepting, okay, yeah, this is not what you want, but I am attuning to your emotions. I am showing up for you and I am supporting you through it. And I understand that this is not what you want and I hear that and I and I support you through it but I I can't change either like this is the boundary this is what like you're the parent you want is not in the building <laughs> or they they are physically unable to come to you um and that is sometimes and that's really hard and I think that comes back to your earlier point about regulating yourself being kind to yourself um lowering your expectations <laughs> and saying yeah do you know what it's a shit show right now <laughs> and that does not make and that's not because I'm a crap parent it's not because I'm doing anything wrong like sometimes it's just hard because it's hard and any anyone would find that hard and yeah yeah no absolutely hold on my baby's about to walk in the room I know we've really pushed the timings on this Lucy I know we have hold on <laughs> Ari's first podcast.
I suppose one other, sorry, one other pr- super practical note question was about nap napping in the day when you have an older, louder child around and perhaps you're out of that sort of babies in a sling and will sleep anywhere stage. Right. That can be quite stressful, right? Like you like trying to get your two, three, four, five year old to understand that you have to be quiet now because I need to go and yeah um so it's obvious again this is obviously really dependent on the temperament of your child the age of your older child as well first and foremost being out and about can really be your friend like I definitely for a long time did any sort of like nap that I thought was going to be like a slightly bigger nap or like you know I did it in the pram out and about because then my older child is happy running around they're not actually right next to the baby anyway now I know not every child naps in a pram so I'm saying that is an option if they do again with um sort of sling out and about if it's at home it is really tricky so first and foremost I would say Try not to be too quiet around the baby from day one. Get that baby used to some noise for a start. Um, now, I do know it changes as they wake up. And some children are really sort of like sensitive, um, uh, you know, to noise and to light and all different things. But try not to be too quiet in the first instance, number one. Number two, utilize things like white noise, obviously, to try and, you know, literally just mask some of the noise. It can be quite helpful to have a sort of nap box, like a box of special things that only come out for your older child during that period of time. Like if you do need to step away from them to put the baby down, if you are able to put, you know, we're obviously working on the assumption that you can put this baby down for a nap. Um, Something that is special for them during that time that will keep them entertained. Or put the television on <laughs> yeah that is obviously not like fantastic professional advice but I do sometimes think that if you're in a situation where you're like losing your mind over it like give yourself some grace and do you know what I mean like especially if you have got that slightly younger child where keeping them still and in a quiet it's not not keeping them quiet per se but like keeping them in the same room like if you want to talk about like safety like they're not running around the flat uh, or house um that if you put the TV on and then they sit for five minutes while you go and put the baby down, oh, so be it. Do you know what I mean? Or if your baby will contact nap on you, um, obviously you've got the you've got the noise around. It might just be that that's a slightly shorter nap. Like I say, you might want to sort of prioritise, work out what works best for your baby and prioritise one nap, you know, and if the others are, are smaller naps and they get woken sometimes, that's life. And I think we and to try not to catastrophize or overthink overtiredness too much. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if you have got the sort of dynamic between the children um, where the baby is getting woken up loads and is having short naps, maybe that baby is going to have more shorter naps than they would have done had they not had a loud sibling. Potentially, you know what I mean? Like maybe that baby would have done three longer naps but actually they have four short naps so be it that's the life situation isn't it has it gone quicker this time I think it's that really common thing of um it's gone ridiculously quickly but also or is in my opinion always been here mm. 
you know what I mean but like the fact that he's eight months is ridiculous yeah but I think six to 12 months goes like that anyway like I remember that first time around like I just felt like once we got to six months I don't know where that second six months went like I just feel like it just flies yeah it's crazy and it's also the fact that he's like he doesn't even feel like a baby anymore but I mean but it's because he's so mobile yeah it's like ridiculous like he could like this he's just gonna be that one of those weird walking tiny babies it's been so nice chatting yeah thank you it's been great thank you very much so as ever huge thank you to my guest today the wonderful lucy bagwell and if you want to find out more about lucy uh you can go to her website which is linked in the show notes and she will of course be coming back from maternity leave relatively soon so yeah the opportunity to work with her is coming up which is good timing as the opportunity to work with me is coming to an end and I am uh, starting to wind things down and prepare for my own upcoming maternity leave if you want to know though more about what that's going to look like for me please make sure you're on my mailing list and I'll be sending people updates about when I start taking consultations again and of course in the meantime I've got uh, a big range of webinars and my two fully comprehensive sleep guides are all available so again the links to those are on the show notes as well and as ever thank you if you could like subscribe review rate (laughs) whatever the podcast I am always eternally grateful it really really genuinely makes a difference and helps the podcast be seen and found by more people so thank you for listening thank you for your support and I'll see you next week